time to get ready for the holidays. Go to oldtimeradiodvd.com forward slash sale and get 10% off of all of our great collections of old time radio, classic TV, classic movies and serials at the lowest prices to be found anywhere. Visit oldtimeradiodvd.com forward slash sale and save. P.S. For all the Apple users, I have a few drives that I purchased for Apple users only at really reduced pricing. Check it out at oldtimeradiodvd.com forward slash sale. You're listening to Horror Old Time Radio. Have you heard them? Those fearful sounds in the dead of night, the muffled creak of a loosened board, the shuffling step of a ghostly figure, the eerie voice of the uninvited. The Uninvited, true tales of the supernatural. In a darkened room of a house on the edge of Hampstead Common, eight people sit tensely. Every crack, every chink which might admit the tiniest flicker of light through the walls has been covered. So intense is the darkness that the staring eyes of the people present frequently seem to see clear images of the things which their minds conceive. And indeed, such images are often weird and wondrous. People and things long dead and departed from this world. For in this room, a seance is in progress. And ye who dwell now shall see these things come to pass. Black Monk, won't you tell us your name? My name? My sins on earth did take from me the rites of baptism. I am cursed to wander for an eternity until my peace be made. Is there anything we can do to help you? There is naught that mortal man can do save welcome such homeless ones as I and hear the words. And now I feel a call for... He's gone. James is starting to come out of it. If you'd all keep quiet now while James comes out of the trance, this is the dangerous time, you know. My dear, come back to us. Come back. I think we might have a little light now, if you would, Doris. Just the small one first. Oh. Did you get anything? Oh, a wonderful seance, James. Really wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad, but I'm very, very tired. Your heart's not troubling you? Uh, just a little. Oh, well, I think we should all leave very quietly and give poor James a chance. Yes, he uh, would. Yes, I, I come Good night, way. my friends, and God bless you all. The people filed out, murmuring quiet words of thanks to their host, James Todman, who sagged now in his chair by the door. James held one hand pressed over his heart, obviously trying to still the pain. He seemed too weak to respond to the words of his guests as they left. But as the door closed behind them, the atmosphere of the seance was dissipated completely. For James Todman was a phony, a charlatan, a cheat. A man who lived on the gullibility of lonely, frustrated people, who, finding no kindness in this world, seek fulfilment beyond it.
I need a drink, Mary. So do I. Got a bottle in the cupboard with a tape recorder. Oh, I've got to do something, Mary. There are only six people tonight. It's an awful lot of work to do for six quid. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel at the moment. The trouble is you've got to keep knocking back people who want to come because they're not the right type. Well, look, i got an idea. Uh, what was the name of that woman with the journalist husband? Who? Oh, yes, Mercer. Oh. Anne Mercer. Mm, mm. She hasn't been for months. No, she hasn't been since she collected the information for that article her husband wrote for his paper. Mm, we certainly don't want them back again. Not after the damage they've done us. Yes, it was after that article that we started to lose our attendance, wasn't it? So perhaps we do want them back again, both of them this time. Oh, you're off your head. She might have been half impressed with the seance, but you couldn't fool his type. I'm not so sure. If we planned a session, now really carefully, we might. Hmm, I don't know. If it went wrong, it could make things worse than they are. <laughs> At your age, Mary, the only thing worse than living hand to mouth like we are now is being dead. <laughs> The irony is that if people like James Todman turned their ingenious minds to honest endeavours, they would probably achieve great success. Todman, however, laid his plans carefully, and as a result, the journalist Charles Mercer arrived home one night with news that surprised his wife. Hello, darling, and what is my beautiful wife for her master's dinner tonight? <laughs> Wait and see. Oh, well, all right, I won't tell you who rang me in the office today. Oh, who? Someone I suspect you're secretly in love with. Oh. Uh, Mr. James Todman. Oh, you haven't seen Mr. Todman. Mm -hmm, but I'm going to. He rang and invited us both to a seance tomorrow night. Charles, we can't. Not after the article you wrote. Oh, yes, we can. And what's more, we'll get some more copy out of it. Oh, I don't want to go, darling. The trouble with you, my love, is that you're still half convinced that our friend Todman really does conjure up spooks in that den of his. Ah, he's a fake. It sticks out a mile. You haven't been there. It's pitch black in that room, then the trumpets come up... Picked up by friend Todman. They seem to waft around the room. You can see the luminous circles painted on their rims. <laughs> and, darling, I know you're right, really, but please, I don't want to go there again. Ah, oh, Todman's a fake, darling, a charlatan. Look, today on the phone, he virtually challenged me to prove it, and that's just what I'm going to do. Well, I don't see how you can. Don't you? Well, when his trumpets are wafting around and his spirit voices are pouring forth their wisdom... I am going to expose Mr. Todman for what he really is. How? I am going to shine a nice bright torch in there. Anne! Anne Mercer, I'm so glad you came. Uh, hello, Mary. Uh, this is my husband, Charles. Mrs. Mary Todman. How do you do, Mrs. Todman? Oh, Mary, if you please. We only use Christian names. Welcome, Charles. Won't you come in? Well, thank you. Uh, oh, th there's a fee, isn't there? We ask a guinea from our friends. It goes into psychic research. Yes. Um, one, two pounds and two shillings. Thank you. Follow me, if you would. Very well. Yes. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> most of you have already met Anne. This is Anne's husband, Charles. How do you do? And if you'll take the chair over there next to Amy, and you, Charles, up at the end by the curtain. Oh, couldn't we sit together? We get a much better astral balance the way I've suggested. Yes, but... Uh, Charles, please. Oh, well, whatever you like, I'm easy. Uh, just before we begin, for the benefit of anyone who has not been with us before, there is nothing whatsoever to be afraid of. Any presence James can draw to us will speak through the trumpets that you see in the middle of the floor. 
and the trumpets are exactly what they seem to be. They're made of tin. The outer rim at the wide end has been painted with luminous paint so that we can see when we have a presence among us. We don't know who will come. We don't even know that we should make contact with the other side. And just one other word. As most of you know, James has a very bad heart. He's resting at the moment. Once he goes into the trance, under no circumstances must he be shocked. If, for example, we awakened him from the trance before he is ready to rejoin us, the result would be almost certainly fatal. <laughs> well, now, I'll go and tell James that we're ready to commence. I shan't be a minute. James is calling out. There is no reason why we should not talk, but quietly. Well, may I ask a question? By all means. That's Charles, isn't it? Yes. Now, I'd like to ask, well, may one address a spirit or whatever it is directly? Most certainly. Particularly if one is addressed specifically by someone who has passed over. It would be the right thing to do. We should stay quiet now. I think something is about to happen. There's someone trying to come through. Is there somebody trying to reach us? Is there anybody there? I can't see anything. I think all the prophets are still on the floor. Can you speak to us? Can you give us some sign? A warning. I bring you a warning. It's the wise one, Mary. I'm sure it is. I cannot come to you. There is one. Oh, please. Please try and tell us your message, wise one. There is one who seeks to bring you harm. I feel his influence among you. James Todman had prepared his effects well. It had all been achieved by pre-recording his own voice, speaking into one of the ordinary trumpets. Mary had been rehearsed in her part of the dialogue, and as Todman had anticipated, Amy, one of their most devout followers, had put in her own lines. The timing was achieved by a simple switch recessed under the arm of Mary's chair, by which she could stop and start the tape recorder at will. The great roll of thunder which had shaken the whole room had also been recorded on the magnetic tape. Its effect on the people in that blackened room was electrifying, seeming to strike through to the very marrow of their bones. There was more to follow. What's happening? What's the matter? Oh, please, please keep calm, everyone. I don't understand exactly what is happening, but just keep calm. There is something trying very hard to get to us. Well, we'll all be very pleased of anything they've got to offer. Oh, please, please, you must take this seriously. Oh, I am. I'm taking it very seriously. Charles. All oh, right, I won't interrupt anymore, but um, isn't that one of the trumpet things in the air? It is. We're about to get a present. Please, quiet, everyone. 
You have been warned. Warnings ignored are inevitably preludes to retribution. It's the judge. Meeting between the earthbound and those who have passed over is a privilege accorded to but few. It is not to be abused. If there is any word to be said, let it be spoken now. Well, I have a word or two to say. Oh, Charles, for heaven's sake. This is a fake enough phony. You're no judge. In the dark, it's you, Todman. Get up from your chair and pick up one of the trumpets and rattle off all this dribble in a badly disguised voice. What have you got to say to that? Let me come close to you. Come as close as you like. See your bit of luminous paint now, close enough for me to touch it. You have been warned. And so have you been warned. Now let's see you for what you really are. Get that torch out. Do you want to kill James? But there's no one there. Just a trumpet in midair and... James still stumped in his chair. I can't believe it. It's a trick. It must be a trick. So far, James Todman's plan had succeeded perfectly. The tin trumpet, delicately suspended by a tiny electromagnet attached to slim black wires, crashed to the floor when Mary switched off the power. The wires and the tiny loudspeaker, which had been placed loosely inside the trumpet, were drawn back to their hiding places in the darkened ceiling. The trumpet, which Charles Mercer examined in the light of his torch, had to be the final proof to dispel his scepticism. The trumpet's empty, and, and the tin's cold. It hasn't been held in anyone's hand. You mean it has not been held in a mortal hand? Mary, is James all right? Still deep in his trance, thank heavens. But we must try and get him out of it gradually. Now, everyone, absolutely quiet, please. And that torch, take it, somebody, and bring it over to me. Feeling very foolish, Charles Mercer surrendered his electric torch and resumed his seat. But at this point, James Todman began to overplay his hand. Instead of coming gradually out of his simulated trance, he decided to continue the seance, following his usual pattern. After a few minutes, he slipped his feet out of his shoes and crossed the thick pattern carpet to the center of the room, where he picked up one of the tin trumpets. Then began one of Todman's seances in the traditional style. He introduced all his usual spirit characters, impressing everyone except Charles Mercer, who was still trying to work out how Todman had managed to cheat him in their first encounter. It was when Todman assumed the spirit character of one of his favorites, the Black Monk, that the situation came to a head. Perhaps Todman became carried away with the part he was playing. And I saw again that there is no limit to the evil which man will perpetrate in his greed and lust for power. Uh, Mr. Black Monk, this is Charles. May I speak to you? This is the one who doubted. Tell me, how can I prove the things which seem to have happened here tonight? Is not the proof of your ears and your eyes sufficient? And you must search your heart and find the truth there, Yeah, well, too. in spite of all that, when you're close to me, as you are now... I feel there's still something else I could do. Charles, for heaven's sake. I look, you see, I'm not really afraid of the grim warnings of your friend, the judge. In fact, I'm going to... Ah! Oh, 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 oh. Todman jerked the cotton thread which was tied to a finger of his left hand and which connected him with Mary. And this was the panic signal which caused the woman to turn up the music volume to full strength. Presently, the music subsided and James began to come out of his trance. When the first flicker of light was introduced into the seance room, it soon became obvious that Charles Mercer had gone, had disappeared in the confusion. For the devotees of Todman's seance group, it had been a sensational night. 
But Anne Mercer was more than a little worried. He's coming out of it. My dear, come back to us. Come back. But where is my husband? I must find Charles. After what he did, I wouldn't be surprised at anything that might have happened to him. It was disgraceful. I must have a... Master, have a help me to the door, Mary. Yes, come but oh. what could have happened to him? He's not here. He's just disappeared. There you are. Oh, that's better. Is, uh, is someone missing? Her husband is not here. The seal on the door was broken. But The I... seal was broken. Someone must have entered or left during the seance. Oh, dear. It was him. He broke all the rules, even leaving before the medium came out of his trance. It's disgraceful. In a matter of a few moments, Mary Todman had all the seance guests out of the house. And for once, James looked really sick and ill when she returned to the seance room. Well, what did happen? Where is he? Uh, during the black mug routine, he suddenly tried to grapple with me. So I slugged him with a trumpet. He's over there. I managed to get him behind the curtains. Oh, you shouldn't have done it, Jim. What was I supposed to do? Have a stand-up fight with him in the middle of the floor? Oh, you fool, Jim. What are we going to do when he comes to? Mary, we don't have that problem. He's dead. Hello? Yes, just a moment. It's her, Anne Mercer. Let me speak to her. Anne, my dear, this is James speaking. Oh, James, I'm so worried. Was Charles not at home? No, not a sign of him. I, I got so worried that I rang the police and, and I had to tell them about the seance. I'm so sorry. But of course you had to tell them, my dear. I expect the police will be coming round to see you. I expect they will, and we must do everything we can to help them. So don't you give that part of it another thought. You try and get some rest, my dear, and God bless you. Oh, you're so reassuring, James. God bless you. Good night, my dear. Good night, James. How, how could you talk to her like that? How could I? Dear Mary, what other way is there of talking to a woman whose husband's body you've just thrown into the River Thames? The police officer in charge of the investigation into the disappearance of Charles Mercer was hampered by the apparently sincere story told by James and Mary Todman and the fact that this was substantiated in detail by every other person who'd been at the seance, including the wife of the missing man. The story appeared in the press, and although many editorial allusions were made, suggesting trickery and foul play on the part of the Todmans, there was no evidence of violence in the seance room. There were no trap doors or hidden cupboards. And above all, the body of Charles Mercer could not be found. The days had passed and stretched into two weeks, when James Todman decided the time was ripe to hold another seance. As usual, Mary admitted and seated the guests, while James waited in the other room, preparing for his entrance. Oh, Jim, hmm? 
I'm terribly worried. <laughs> what nonsense, Mary. <laughs> it's amazing what a bit of publicity will do. How many we got tonight? Almost 30. 30, eh? We never had a roll up like that before. Now, if we can turn on a good one tonight, we're made, my girl. How can you talk like that with this, with this terrible business hanging over our heads? Now, dear, you stop worrying. Stop worrying? How can I? Jim, I want you to go to the police and tell the truth. We'll never get any peace until you do. My dear, it's only a matter of waiting for the right moment. Then, one way or the other, I'll make everything right. Now, in the meantime, we'd better get the seance started. There is little doubt that James Todman had in mind a new era of financial success for their seance racket and believed that with the money rolling in, Mary would be able to quieten her conscience on the killing of Charles Mercer. Mary herself was naive enough to think that her husband at the right time would finally confess to the accidental killing of Mercer. But just before the seance began, Anne Mercer arrived. And perhaps this is the fact which changed the course of fate. James was already in his chair when Mary brought Anne into the seance room. James, it's Anne. She heard about tonight's seance. I thought I must come, James. You're very brave, my dear. No news of Charles yet? No. He's just disappeared as if... James, there are times when you try to contact certain particular spirits. The very least we can do for you, my dear. Take the seat over there and let us begin. Mary, will you lead the prayer with a particular prayer for our success tonight? Once the prayer was over and the lights had been extinguished entirely, Mary too seemed to settle down into a fatalistic calm and she began to play her routine part. I think that James is beginning to go into his trance. We may speak, but softly, if you please. This is the most thrilling seance I've ever attended. I wonder who our first spirit will be. I'm frightened. I admit it, I'm frightened. Uh, this, uh, uh, James is terribly restless tonight. I you hope... call to those in a world to which you have yet no entry. I don't recognize this voice. Something's wrong. You know what you are asking. Uh, this is Amy. Yes, we know what we're asking. Won't you tell us who you are? You can bring no happiness by this means. This is Anne. We... I want to know about my husband, Charles Mercer. Can you tell me anything? Oh, I think he's gone. It wasn't one of our regulars. I'm, I, I'm worried about James. I think we'd better finish the seance. Oh, what a pity. I had a feeling tonight was going to be something quite wonderful. Mary Todman had every reason to be worried about the course of the seance. Sitting next to James Todman, she was well aware of the fact that, so far, he had not stirred from his chair, and that his was not the mysterious spirit voice which had spoken to the group at the seance. I think we must begin to bring him back from his trance. You all know the state of his heart. It's so dangerous for him. This is Anne. I, I have a feeling almost as if, as if I'm suffocating. Would you put the very small light on, please, somebody? I'll do that, Mary. Oh, that's better. James, come back to us, my dear. Come back. Look, it's James. 
over here. Anne, for heaven's sake. You know how dangerous sudden noises can be. James is here in the chair. But I see him. Don't you see him? Yes, I see him. He's walking across the floor. Oh, but I see him in that chair, too. James. James, come back to us. Quiet, my dear. No, don't look at me in the chair. See me here in the center of the room. <laughs> my friends, tonight I am breaking all the rules. I am speaking to you, not through one of these tin trumpets as I usually do. James! James! Quiet, my dear. The time has come. Also, I am appearing to you in the half-light. You can see me, but not quite clearly. James, we see you in the chair, but we see you in the middle of the floor. That is so. There is not long to speak. Anne, Anne Mercer, my dear, I can only say I am sorry, and what happened was accidental. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye. The 30 people present all saw and heard the image of James Todman in the dimly illuminated seance room. And they all agreed that after saying goodbye, the image looked around the room as if taking leave of each individual and then moved silently to the chair where the figure of James Todman had remained unmoving throughout the incident. The image seemed then to absorb itself into the figure of the seated man. Everyone was shocked, and Mary Todman was practically hysterical. Lights! Lights, quickly! Someone turn on the lights! But it's dangerous, Mary, dear. You always say For heaven's sake, Amy, don't argue. Turn on the lights. Oh. He's still deep in his trance, Mary. Not this time, Amy. This time, James is dead. <gasps> In the room where he'd conducted so many fake seances, James Todman produced one of the most eerie phenomena on record during the twilight moments between his own life and death. Todman, who'd falsely claimed a sick heart as an aid to his professional trickery, died apparently of a heart attack. The earlier unidentified spirit voice at Todman's last seance remains unidentified. But in final irony, it was during the night of the seance that Charles Mercer's body was recovered from the River Thames. The Uninvited was a true tale of the supernatural and our transit production written by Stuart Glover and directed by Russ Ryder.